Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Two Scene Podcast. Welcome, first-time listeners, to the Two Scene Podcast, the podcast where two aspiring sports journalists sit down and talk baseball. I am your host, Tyler Foy, and alongside me, as always, is my wonderful co-host, Nathan Lannon. And Nate, opening day weekend is coming to a close, and we got to do another recap. We got to talk about it. But I think what was more exciting for us is that we went to Fenway and got that experience in the live sports again. Oh my god, it was so nice. It was so nice being back at a live sporting event of any kind. I I think the last actual sporting event I'd been to before that was a high school football game like two years ago. It was so nice. And it's crazy to think about that, you know, like two years ago, just in high high school sports, being a spectator there, I mean... It's been a while for a lot of different schools and stuff like that that they haven't been able to get out there. Um, Today's podcast, though, is going to be centered around our Fenway experience for the most part. But after we do talk about our Fenway experience, we are going to get into a little bit of a recap about the highlights that have happened this weekend in the baseball world. So yeah, it wasn't the most enjoyable game for me as a Red Sox <laughs> fan. In fact, the entire series has been a disaster for me, yeah, honestly. At least we didn't go to the worst game of the series. We did not uh, go to the worst game of the series. got destroyed today. Right, they did. But, um, you know... Getting the tickets, I thought there would be a lot more restrictions and a lot more guidelines mm. that we're going to follow going into the game. Uh, it felt very relaxed. Yeah, it was um, surprisingly painless. Yeah, you just kind of filled out a, a daily symptom check before you go into the stadium that they don't check. Yeah. They didn't even check if you filled it out. Yeah, that's what I'm surprised about. They didn't even ask. They didn't like, ask like, I at had all. A, I had my, the email out of my phone the whole time. I was like waiting for them to ask. It's like... Okay. What's going on, like, what's right? What's going on? Like, why did I fill this? Why did All I we did was out? walk through our security checkpoint, yeah. and we were pretty much clear to go into the stadium. Yeah. And even with the mask mandate and all that, I look around the stadium, and I would see people without masks um, all over the place. Where, where we were sitting was right behind home plate, which was awesome. But at the same time, like, we had to have our masks on the whole time. Like, we were instructed by uh, one, of the, like, one of the staffers there to keep, because we were going to be... Uh, in the broadcast because we were right behind home plate like you could see us on TV we had to keep our masks on the whole time or at least we were instructed to right and even so yeah. the people in front of us at some points would uh, they had to come down and tell them to put their mask back on yeah. I don't even think those guys were even on the screen though in fact yeah. Na- Nate how did you feel about being now national broadcast like, for the <laughs> first time you were blocked pretty much the entire yeah, game I, I got blocked by the scoreboard for most of the game which was hilarious but i will say that the, the funniest thing was though at an interval where i wasn't blocked by the scoreboard somehow i got caught just like shoveling a hot dog <laughs> which was just which of course i did of course i did like, of course that's the one moment they caught uh, yeah, they did get you. <laughs> and that's something to talk about with the concession stands at the yeah. games. You know, you're used to having those really busy tunnels and concourses at, at, at any sporting event. Yeah. But it was so nice and rela- and like refreshing to be able to go down into the concourse and not have like yeah. a bunch of people that you're just trying to like, you know, you're just in like a bunch. Yeah, right? You can't were, move. Yeah, lines were non-existent. That was really nice. Socially and, distant yeah. as well when there were. Mm. Uh, I didn't use the bathroom during the entire game. I should have though. I should have went in to see mm. what it was like because like normally there's a line yeah. that goes all the way out the door. There, Yeah, no. I The one time I did get up to use the restroom. The, I mean, there were a ton of people in there, but there wasn't like a line going out the door and I was able to find like a stall pretty quickly. Was, right. Yeah. I think the, the atmosphere of the game was, was pretty normal Um, if there was only... F- 
you know, 4,500 fans allowed yeah. into Fenway. It's weird because, you know, I've been to so many games at Fenway, yet I've never been to a game where it just kind of felt so dead, the atmosphere. Mm. But well, they tried their best to get chance going, uh, definitely towards the back end. <laughs> it, it really felt like oh the beginning of the game, there was fans that were really being active. Was it was at the beginning and the end. It was at the beginning and the end, and in the middle, it was just kind of static. It was kind of dead. Yeah. Uh, singing Sweet Caroline still felt the same. There was, mm. there was the same atmosphere for that. Right. Take me out of the ball. Take me out to the ball game was pretty dead though. Yeah, that that opinion. was kind of that one was kind of all over the place. That was like like everyone was like all no one was in sync. So it was just kind of off. Like we were hearing different parts of the song at, at, at we were hearing different parts of the song throughout the seventh inning stretch, and it was it was pretty funny. <laughs> it was, it was pretty, pretty funny. funny. What else was pretty funny is that because of the less like the less amount of fans, you could hear every heckle. Every heckle you could hear. <laughs> oh, that and one there were guy. some really interesting characters <laughs> that we don't have to talk about specific yeah. people and what they did, but you could hear every single person that was I was heckling at the players. It was um, yeah. It was it was really funny. There was this one guy behind us who was like who was just at, at, towards the end of the game. I, I think towards the end of the game he, was he, when it got the but best. Here's was the, because no. there, I think uh, I forget who was real, who was the closer for the Orioles, but. I, the crowd visibly got in his head, which was just awesome. Like, it, it, like he, I, I think I remember him. This guy shouting like it was this Valdez. guy. Has, it was Valdez. It was Valdez on the mound. Yeah. Man. I remember this guy shouting like, "This guy hasn't thrown a strike in two minutes," and it was, it, it was just so much fun. Yeah, he did throw six or five balls in a row, and yeah. and the crowd was getting on him a lot. But what was interesting or what was bad about it? Um, a lot of the people that do heckle and all the people that scream onto the field. They will take their mask down and they'll start mm. screaming, which doesn't make any sense. I mean, obviously they want to be heard, I guess, but it's mm. like that. I felt I didn't feel too safe about that. You know, right. the peace people that were heckling is fine with me in sports. I think it's mm. fun in general sense. Not all right. heckling is great, but I mean, sometimes it's nice. It, it's kind of just like that. These are this is my team. I'm a fan of this team and I'm going to yell at you because you're mm. not on my team. Right. But like, keep your mask on. Right. It's not even like, yeah, I agree. It's not even like that much of a noise difference to keep. I was your mask screaming on. the entire like game and yeah. I lost my voice because I'm a very active fan yeah. now. Nowadays, I am. Mm. If you knew me before, <laughs> I was a very quiet fan. But now yeah. I'm a, such an active fan. I'm just like constantly yelling and cheering on my team, mm. doing the baseball chants and all that. But I kept my mask on the entire time except for the t- uh, the moment that I was eating, which I did right. do in between pitches because i didn't want to be on national broadcast um <laughs> yeah but that's like an experienced move you yeah know? you're you're a rookie in that i'm sense. a rookie oh man so um but yeah i i kept my mask on the entire time when i was doing any of the heckling or any of my any of my screaming and i i just felt like they could have too and it definitely made me feel a little bit unsafe in that regard i think the coolest part about the game was that Franchi Cordero looked at me <laughs> yeah. and just head nodded at me. Yeah. And I was like, sup? <laughs> like, that was really cool. <laughs> Franchi Cordero knows you exist. <laughs> Franchi Cordero is not acknowledged your He existence. shouldn't have struck out in the ninth inning when he was a 3-0 count, but I'm yeah. glad that he looked at me in like his second at bat. And just head nodded at me. That yeah. was really cool. I think there was uh, there, there were a few people that came up uh, right behind us, like in his first at bat with a sign that was like "Welcome to Boston, Franchi Cordero." That was pretty cool. It was pretty cool, yeah. but they now knowing like what the broadcast looked like, they weren't on camera at all. Oh, really? I mean, they weren't oh. unless they had another camera pointed at them. But like, we watched the entire game because in Fenway, 
the at the front seats they have TVs that are also playing the Nesson broadcast, right? So there would be a pitch, we would see it live, and then we would look at the TVs to see ourselves on TV <laughs> and where the pitch was. And we were on the very corner, and if if you weren't yeah. in the shot because of the scoreboard, mm. they weren't in the shot at all because right. of the scoreboard. Yeah, but they did. Ha- but the signs were like may- maybe they peeked out. I don't know because like they were bright, like neon signs with they were. red writing. So it it was said like, like welcome. Yeah, welcome to welcome Boston, Boston franchise or something. Yeah, it, I mean, it was nice that for him to have a debut, and, and you know, it must be weird for a guy like Alex Verdugo, right? He comes mm. into the Red Sox organization last season, but there's no fans to really greet him for that Boston experience, and then he comes yeah. in now, and now he's finally getting that that kind of recognition, yeah, that, even though yeah. the entire offense has done nothing except for oh, J.D. Yeah. Martinez. J.D. Martinez, yeah, that's the thing about the game, is J.D. Martinez was, I think, the only consistent bat. I mean, Marwin Gonzalez had some hits, but J.D. Martinez, I think throughout this series, has been the only consistent bat, because he was good in games one and two. I, I don't know how he did in game three. I think he had a The start run, for right? the Red Sox has been abysmal. It's been <laughs> the worst start. Well, I don't know if the worst start, but, I mean, it's been terrible. And uh, I don't even want. I don't even want to discuss it. You haven't even had a start of your season. Tomorrow, I'm so excited. Tomorrow, the Mets finally play baseball again against the Philadelphia Phillies in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. But and that uh, is a topic for another day. That is. That will probably be a topic that we will discuss on the next episode of the right. podcast. But you know, you talk about when you leave the stadium or any baseball stadium. That is the time where you're going to be in the biggest crowd of people. Mm. Um. And it did. It still felt like that. It still yeah. felt like that when you were leaving Fenway in COVID. But uh, it was much easier to get out of yeah, there. It wasn't um, like a fight. Like it wasn't it was a fight to try to get out. Events. You know, but it, it that was definitely the the busiest time. And if you wanna, if you go to games, just make sure you guys stay safe. Double mask up. Absolutely. You know, and and try to stay socially distanced and and all of that. But the game itself, the atmosphere, it was pretty nice. You know. Yeah. Yeah, for my first experience at Fenway, I, it was pretty good. I, I mean, I don't know. I doubt it's like other experiences, any usual experience at Fenway, because usually I'm sure they're, the crowd is much larger and the and uh, the fans are much more active. But for what it was, I, for what I was expecting, I think it was a pretty good experience. And the ballpark was absolutely beautiful. Oh, Fenway is a beautiful yeah. stadium. Number one stadium, obviously, yeah. in the MLB. No, Nothing beats it. You mm. Wrigley fans out there, <laughs> nothing beats it, okay? Fenway is unique, and Fenway is amazing. I think, you know, in comparison to my other, obviously, experiences at Fenway, I've had a lot of them. It definitely stands out. You know, it's definitely different. It, it feels like because Boston fans are so... They're so tied to their team that they could be losing and it could be raining. It could be a cold night right. and they're going to be out there supporting their team at least 20,000 strong. Yeah, I don't I don't think I even saw one person leave this game until the final pitch was thrown. Right. I, I don't think I saw one, one single person leave. Well, you're also just, paying extra yeah. money to go to these that games because the are tickets expensive. are higher. Mm. Uh, we miss a couple things that were usually in the game and... You know, they did do the wave, which I thought, thought was really funny because it was like 4,500 people trying yeah. to do the wave in this ginormous stadium I think with was... everybody separated and it just looks terrible. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I unfortunately didn't get to see that. I was in the bathroom for that. So like, was it all like, uh, like split up? Was it, or was it like offbeat or something? Like it, it, it felt if, I mean, everybody was on tempo. I mm. feel like everybody was doing it at the same time uh, that they were supposed to. It just looking out to the outfield because that's obviously the best angle that I have to view it from home plate. Mm. It looked 
just so dead. <laughs> because you, once again, it's so separated. You're so socially distanced with each bleacher, which is great. I'm yeah. glad that they have it that way in the stands. But it is like, it's not a full wave, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it can't, like, imagine if a real wave was, like, just split up randomly in parts. Like, that'd that'd be the weirdest looking thing ever. Right. (laughs) And I do, and I think, you know, the Red Sox might have lost this game, but I do plan to go back out there to Fenway. But the the most annoying part about buying tickets is that you can't buy them in one. You can't Mm. buy one ticket. You have to buy them in in twos or fours because of the way that they have the pods set up. Mm. They they say pods. Oh yeah. But like they just have seats. I don't know why they just, just call them pods. Yeah. Why why call them pods? They're like they're it's seats. like a bleacher apart yeah. between each section that they yeah. have. And then some seats in each row are like have twist ties or not twist ties uh, zip ties on them. Yeah, they have like, zip ties. The, yeah, like our seats, we the staffer had to come like cut the zip, cut the zip ties for us so they could the seats the seats and could, uh, I'm pretty sure down. those were zip tied because yeah. they didn't expect those seats because they were they were third party tickets like mm. I didn't buy them straight off of Red right. Sox Nation so that's probably why that happened I do plan to go back out to Fenway though and hopefully they can start getting it everything underway and start catching heat but yeah. I think we do got to move on from our Fenway experience to the opening day weekend and what happened with that super fun to get into stuff like this because we have the whole league in our at our fingertips and just kind of pick out moments that we thought were that we oh, thought we're were the highlights yeah. and i mean if we're going to talk about highlights we got to talk about history mm-hmm. and ermin i think right ermin yeah, mercedes ermin yeah historical start to a season from a rookie from any player uh, a white Sox designated hitter facing off against the Los Angeles Angels goes eight for eight in his first two games, which is the first time that any major league eight player has done eight. that. Yeah, that's pretty incredible, especially for a rook. Like, it, it, I don't. A major league player has never done that, and for a rookie to go eight for eight in his first two games, that's just mind-boggling. All right, and he's a he's a DH, you know, and he's not a young rookie or anything. Mm. He's 27, 28 years old. Yeah. Um. Here, let me. Yeah, he's twenty eight years old, and. He has experience. He's played a lot of rookie ball, a bunch of different places in the Dominican. He's he's been all over the place in the minor leagues, low A, high A, double A, triple mm. A. He's been climbing steadily since 2011, and he's finally got his shot to prove what he can do because of an injury. And he's out there and he's performing. It, it, it I kind of draw comparisons to a guy like Edgar Martinez, who didn't get his first season as a DH, like as a full season. He mm. played for three years prior, but until he was 27 years old, he didn't get his first season as a DH. Yeah. And then, you know, Big Poppy played with Minnesota up until he until he was 27 as well. And then he came to Boston where he really became... He was a good hitter already, mm. but he became Big Poppy when he came to Boston. Right. So I compare this guy who's a DH slash catcher. Uh, I presume he would stick as a DH on that team. Uh, a late start for a DH doesn't mean it's going to be like a terrible thing because there's other DHs that have had late starts that have done great. Yeah, I think one thing that comes to mind when I think of a guy like Jurin Mercedes doing what he's doing is the relative age of rookies in the MLB because, I mean, it's guys like him and, like, Randy Rosarena. Like, Randy Rosarena is, like, what, 26? And he and he was, and he is the, I think, odds odds on favorite to win rookie of the year right now. And, like, in other sports, you don't see 
uh, rookies older than like in other sports like the NBA and the NFL, you don't see rookies over like at most 23. So it's really interesting to see how the MLB's system for bringing in rookies and bringing in players from the minor leagues differs. Right. And I think that is something that with baseball, it's just kind of an age thing with baseball, right? Mm. Um, people tend to play baseball longer. Like it's, it, the age of average retirement is way, it's way higher. Mm. So you're going to see things like that. And for a guy like your or mean, like that's giving him an opportunity. There's so many more opportunities in baseball and, you know, you see a lot of players come in and out of the sport, um, you know, whether it's just for a season they were a major leaguer or not, just because of how many roster spots there are in baseball. But there's so many opportunities in the sport, which I think are just amazing. Now, Mercedes had a lot of hits, you know, five for five in one game, and then the next game he goes three for four. But these people don't want to give up hits are the pitchers. And we had a couple no-hit bids that did get ruined. No no-hitters this uh, this opening day weekend, but it's definitely some great pitching performances. Mm. And how about Trevor Bauer in his first start in a Dodger uniform? He's trying to make an impression. He goes a no-hit bid through the sixth inning. Uh, what do you think about that, you know? Uh, yeah, Trevor Bauer has certainly proved to be worth the money so far for the Dodgers. I mean, he after that, uh, after his no-hitter ended, he did give up, I think, uh, three or four earned runs. But, or no, he gave up three hits and four earned runs, sorry. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely proven to be worth the money so far. Well, yeah, you get 10Ks and you go six innings scoreless and just, uh, you know, hitless. That's a good message, but immediately after that, letting go back-to-back home runs is not the greatest yeah. message that you want to send to the fans. He Does that send a message of, like, well, I tried. Like, yeah. it's, it's over. I, I, I don't, I, I don't it, think that was his intention, though. I mean, you know... There were four home runs hit in that game, and they weren't back to back. Sorry, I wanted. They were two run shots, both in the same inning. That seventh inning where he get let go of the the first hit, uh, things kind of just tumbled. You know, he got another walk, and you could see that his control was starting to get loose. the The Colorado Rockies were starting to get a little more hot. Um, they actually that game actually finished eleven to six, and following the reliever that came in, David Price, he also let go two home runs. So. I don't know how much of it's on Bauer. Uh, it just felt like maybe these Rockies saw something that they liked and and maybe Bauer started missing his spots more. I don't know whether or not he was showing... He showed the promise, but also failed to execute fully on finishing out a quality start. Yeah, the Dodgers did still end up getting the win, but after uh, but uh after Bauer's no hitter bid ended that was not because the wind did not come because of him yeah it was mostly that offense yeah. that offense did have an amazing showcase with Seager getting three hits Turner getting three hits you know I think it was a whole team performance even mm. Will Smith getting three hits uh just everybody on that lineup that started the game besides the pitchers got a single or it got some sort of hit at least so a full team performance everybody came to contribute to that win and you know there was other games that were much more uh competitive in terms of pitching for both teams and if we're going to talk about the no hit bids we have to you know segue that into the other no hit bids that happened in the Milwaukee versus Twins game yeah Super exciting game, and I know you you watched more of it than I did, so I, I'll let you start off with that one. 
Yeah, Jose Barrios at first almost had a no-hitter by himself, but after, I think, 84 pitches, uh, they pulled him. And uh, who who was it that gave up the home run? I forget. Because well, that, cause that was the run, one hit that broke it up. The home run, yeah. well, no. The, the On the other side, you yeah. have uh, Burns, who was pitching for the Milwaukee Brewers, mm. and he also went six innings uh, without letting go a hit. So mm. both starters on both teams went six innings without giving up a hit. But... Yeah. In the seventh inning on the Milwaukee side, uh, Burns let go a home run to oh, okay. Buxton, yeah. which broke up the no-hitter as well as the shutout. And Burns actually gets credited with the loss because the Brewers' offense were just completely stunned. I mean, yeah, giving up only one hit the entire game is impressive. The Brewers were just absolutely locked. They they were lo- That offense was locked all game. They could not do anything. Right, and... and and it's also important to note that there was only one walk the entire game that did come from the Minnesota twin side from Duffy, who also let go the only hit on their side. So they could have had a combined no hitter if they hadn't, if Tyler Duffy hadn't let go that hit. But obviously, such an it's such a hard thing to do in baseball is to have a no hitter or the perfect game. Obviously, right. and you know you can't one hit isn't gonna kill you. Yeah, it's once in it, a blue moon. But you know. It would have been exciting on opening day weekend just to see a no hitter uh, oh, so early into the season. You know, it's fun. It's fun to watch. You know, amazing and pitching performances, especially mm. when the once again an entire team contributes. The entire team, six innings from the starter, three innings from the bullpen, one hit let go, and you can just see how that pitching just shuts down one side's offense. Both sides were pretty shut down anyway. I do want to transition to the. I want to stay in the Central, in specifically the National League Central, where tempers flare against the Car- for the Cardinals and the Reds in that game this weekend. In, f- in fact, the entire weekend, it felt like there was a lot of tense, uh, high-tense games. Yeah, a lot of games. tension. Yeah, no, I-, I feel like the NL Central has more fearsome rivalries in it than the, other two, than the, the, than the NL's other two divisions. Right, I feel like that NL Central always there's always fights that are being picked with against each other. Whether it's <laughs> right. the Cubs and the Cardinals, or it's the Cardinals and the Reds, or it's yeah. the Reds and the Pirates, yeah. it just seems that there's a lot of tension between those teams. And in this case, it came off of a wild pitch play at the plate. Castellanos slides into home plate, and he flexes. Yeah, he flexes and stands up over uh, who was it? Uh, Woodford. Yeah, Woodford. The starting pitcher for the Cardinals did a little step over over mm-hmm. him, and that was where the benches cleared, and there wasn't any th- punches thrown or anything like that, but obviously a lo- just kind of your average baseball fight where it's just a bunch of bickering yeah. from a bunch of sides and a bunch of people holding other people back. Like, I'm right. going to get you. Yeah. I'm going to get you, but if this, if this yeah. guy wasn't holding me back right now, I would be... I would be right over there. Yeah, watching the fight back, like replaying it, there there wasn't any actual fighting that went on. It was just it was really just like uh, it was a bunch of shouting between Castellanos and Molina, and then guys starting to hold them back. And, and it came from it came from Castellanos hitting a home run and pimping it a little bit yeah. um, a couple years ago, or maybe just a year ago, in which in this game he gets hit by a pitch on a fastball and gets on base, and in that same. Uh, appearance or at that, at that same point where he's on base he scores and does all this and there wasn't really much uh, Nolan Arenado got mad 
uh, when the bullpens were kind of going back to the bullpen, they got mad at each other again for some reason. It seemed that Yadier Molina is going to be protecting his pitcher because that's his starting pitcher. Right. So he was pretty much in the front just kind of yelling and, and probably talking about the respect of the game mm-hmm. and respecting other pitchers and kind of doing that. Because in baseball, you never see a guy flex on right. somebody like that. You, you Yeah, that's not something you really see in baseball. Like It's weird to compare it to other sports because like in the NBA, when you see a poster dunk, like you, like you'll see. Uh, I think there was this one notable dunk. I think in a Timberwolves and Raptors game, where I think the Anthony Edwards, the Timberwolves rookie, just like uh, just created an absolute poster. And, and and you know he like flexes after the dunk, like. And you're just, just standing, standing over them. Yeah, you're standing over them. And even then, you don't really see as much like pushing and like, hey man, like in the NBA, but in the MLB, it's like you still have. There's still that like air of disrespect. Or uh, like this air, this feeling of disrespect around gestures like that. Right, and and you got to think about: Are these fights good for baseball? I know people love to talk about them, like oh, the best brawls in baseball. But I mean, for these ones, I mean, sure, the brawls do spark up some enjoyment in baseball to people. You know, it's kind of like people like watching hockey fights, right? right. But. In baseball, brawls or fights are just kind of bickering, and it kind of just stops the flow of the game most of the time. doesn't really do anything in baseball either, because a lot of these fights don't really amount to full-on brawls. Right. They usually just amount to, like, pushing and shouting and bickering, and it doesn't really do anything. It kind of challenges the ethics of baseball, because, I mean, it's always about that when there's, there's tempers flaring between teams, and you see them bickering back and forth, and, you know, there's a lot for the respect of the game, and... They make the games go longer. Uh, there's only so many notable fights that have broken right. out where punches have landed. Right. <laughs> like when you think I about, know, hot... we all we all know the one in the MLB. There's like the, the one yeah. that was the in current era baseball. <laughs> there's been a lot of nice punches yeah. land at actually, but the one against um, uh, Jose Bautista and mm. Rufnit Ordor uh, that one was pretty iconic. Yeah. Where the sunglasses fly off. Yeah, there was also Bryce Harper versus Hunter Strickland, where Bryce Harper threw his helmet and charged the mound. That one was he threw his helmet, but it was also yeah. like the worst helmet throw I've ever seen. Yeah, it so. didn't even go anywhere near him. But both Strickland and Harper got like some pretty decent face hits in. Right. So, do you think that these are like things that are good for the game? I don't. I don't think it's good for the game. I. I, I think as long as it's just like random bickering and shouting it's pretty harmless but if it ever evolved to a point where it was just like full-on brawling consistently i think some real action would need to be taken right 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 and you know there is the enjoyment aspect and i'm i'm personally not one of the people that kind of just like love watching those guys get get at it with each other but there is people there are people that are like that and there's the question online i saw a survey that was like if baseball had brawls every like few games in the MLB across the entire MLB, you would see like an, a reoccurring segment or something like that. Mm. Like you would see it more often. Would it be more enjoyable? And the majority of people that took that survey said like, yeah, I think that would be. That's so. interesting. Cause I mean, I, I feel like that they're really just seeing that in their heads first though, because if there were a ton of fights every game and eventually people would get hurt, you know, and it would become, I feel like that's something that becomes less and less enjoyable with time. Like, which is like, and it, and the only other sport where there's consistent fighting and it doesn't really work and it, and it just kind of works and nothing's really changed about it is the NHL. And even then I think people are starting to tire of that too. Right. 
70 for the uh for the thing that i'm referencing this survey was a trevor bauer tweet and it was thirty nine thousand votes and 77 percent of people agreed that um that if there were brawls every four to five games like like in hockey um it would make the sport more intriguing so it's super interesting i personally don't think that it would make it more interesting i don't know if it's like this where it's just guys bickering it's just gonna make the games longer uh less exciting in my opinion and i think just moving forward that i don't think they should be out of the game because you know express yourself the way you do and i think it's a lot about changing the game at the moment but it's not a great look i mean all it really does right now is draw your attention for like a brief moment and then after it it just slows the momentum of the game and like Mm -hmm. it's got a and the game has to like readjust so it i mean right now it's pretty harmless but at and right now it's pretty harmless at worst it's like a momentum killer but that's about it and with that i think that is going to be the last topic we talked about in full uh but there is a couple more things that happen around the league that i want to mention uh that did you know that are pretty important to the mlb mm. um the all-star game is being moved out of atlanta for reasons uh political reasons for the most part and i'm not going to get into it cuz i don't want to make this podcast political mm. at all but it is important to know if you want to read up on it and form your own opinions. Um, be sure to just kind of be in the know about that. But yeah. the All-Star Game will not be happening in yeah. Atlanta this year. For the general gist of why the All-Star Game is being moved out of Atlanta, uh, Georgia's uh, governor recently signed into law a bill that uh, is restrictive of voting rights. And to oppose the, and to show their opposition to this law, the MLB has moved the All-Star Game out of Atlanta. And sticking with Atlanta, the Braves, who started the season 0-3, are not going to be playing their series against the Nationals for COVID restriction reasons. They're going to get a break. The Nationals are not starting their season yet. The Mets will be starting their season uh, as of today, which the podcast, you know, the podcast will be uploaded. And the last piece of historical baseball that is happening this weekend is the Otani start that is being played against the Chicago White Sox. He's been shoving, really. I mean... So far into the game, as we record this podcast, it's the top of the fifth inning, and I think he's going to get out of this and go to the bottom half of the inning. He hit a home run, the fast, the hardest hit home run so far this season, while also striking out six up to this point. It's the first time in 118 years that a starting pitcher has been a starter and also hit in one of the first two lineup spots. So he's a very historical game. Uh, if you didn't watch it last night, then I would definitely look up highlights of it to see what happened with the game. I know b- before we edit this podcast, we're going to be uh, definitely gonna, watching yeah, this game watching and following game. it. And maybe we'll make a couple tweets if something historical happens, like he hits a second home run or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But with that, that is going to be the end of the Two Scene Podcast. And I didn't mention it at the beginning, but we are looking for sponsors. So if you want to get an ad read for your business, uh, email the Two Scene Pod at gmail.com and then also you can direct message us on twitter at the two scene pod follow us on spotify to get notified whenever we do release a new episode which is always on every monday and friday unless we say otherwise 
If you did enjoy our personal takes, me and Nate are much more active on our personal accounts where we cover a lot more than baseball. I know Nate does have takes in the basketball world. Uh, I personally don't. I live tweet a lot about baseball games, though. So follow us at Lennon underscore Nate and Tyler underscore underscore Foy. With that, we thank you for listening to this episode of the Two Scene Podcast, and we look forward to seeing you guys again on Friday for the next episode of the Two Scene Podcast. (laughs) 